Just a quick note before we start this show, I'm joined by two guests this week, one of which is Jake Hughes, who you can find on Twitter at JJHughes underscore. He is the editor of St. Mary's Musings, and one is Zach Lowy, whose name I decided to pronounce in the intro and in the kind of uh, credits section as Lowy, and I don't know why. I know his name is Zach Lowy, and yet I decided to do it wrong. So apologies to Zach, because he deserves better than that. Um, And uh, let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learned. Abdacha, Austin, Shota Gizabir. It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1-0. Blue fast shot. Oh, my word. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoyed uh, the second half of that match against Sheffield United. Um, this marks, I think the first time in a long time, uh, there was a tweet sent out from Tom Murray last week that this is the first time that saints have taken, uh, all 18 points from the newly promoted teams. Uh, I believe in the premier league, at least, uh, it, it was, it ended very, very well. And it didn't really start that way. If you think all the way back to the beginning of the season, things just didn't seem to go our way. But I think this is the most positive end to the season that we've had. And some time and things are already looking decent going into next season with Saints looking to bring in Mohamed Salisu uh, in the coming days. It sounds like the only thing that we're waiting on is for the club to announce them, which we all know Saints will do whenever they want. So um, hopefully that is all true because I've gone all in on it and we have some guests on the show to talk about Salisu as well. So this week we are going to talk both uh, about the Sheffield United match and a little bit about the end of the season. We'll save the big end of the season stuff for uh, the next couple of weeks, but we'll also take a look forward this week to the the coming of Mohamed Salisu. So uh, joining me this week is Jake Hughes, the editor of St. Mary's Musings. You can find him on Twitter at JJ Hughes underscore and also at St. Mary's Musings. If you don't already follow St. Mary's Musings, uh, you should. And St. Mary's Musings is also partnered with the Oh, When the Saints podcast. So you can get links to that podcast and St. Mary's Musings and Jake and everything in the show notes, so be sure to check them out if you haven't done so already. And then after my conversation with Jake, um, I talked to Zach Lowey. Zach is on Twitter, at Zach Lowey. He's also the co-creator of Breaking the Lines. You can find them on Twitter, at BTLVid. You can also get articles and more at BreakingTheLines.com. They wrote a scattering report on Mohamed Salisu a while back. I read through that and contacted Zach and I'm more than happy to say that he agreed to give us some time. So we'll, we'll get his breakdown of Mohamed Salisu and how he performed this year in La Liga and all of that. And what we can expect from him uh, if he does indeed or is indeed announced by Saints going forward. 
And I just think that, you know, the game itself yesterday against Sheffield United, the season, um, you know, didn't start well and ended pretty well. And hopefully we kind of keep this momentum going forward. And I do want to say, uh, if you haven't listened to the, the final episode of Total Saints podcast, you should. We will miss Ben and everyone involved with the show. And I wish everybody well. And um, hopefully I can, I can convince a, a couple of them to, to join this show as, uh, as guests and things like that. So hopefully you won't have to hear the end of all of their voices. Uh, and I hope I, I look forward to it. And I hope you do as well. But that does it for now. So quite a lengthy show. So let's get to it. Jake Hughes of St. Mary's Musings and Zach Lowey of Breaking the Lines. Um, there is a link to the scattering report uh, that Zach and everybody wrote at Breaking the Lines. So you can, you can click that in the show notes as well. Uh, lots, of, lots of links in there this week. So once again, thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Jake Hughes. You can find him on Twitter at JJHughes underscore. You can get more from him at St. Mary's Musings. Um, Jake, I would say it's been a while, but it hasn't really been that long because we did a Patreon episode not too long ago, but I'm happy to have you back on the show and, and welcome back. And how are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, uh, great to be back on. It has been a short period of time in between podcasts, but I'm happy for that. It's always yeah. good to talk to you. Yeah. Um, for those people who are not patrons, we kind of just sat and watched, uh, what, what game do we watch? I don't even remember. It was Brighton. Brighton. Um, just me, you and Freddie from the ugly inside just kind of sat and watched and, uh, discussed stuff and talked about the game and it was a lot of fun. And I think the patrons enjoyed it, but, uh, we're not doing that today. This is, this is post game uh, season officially over. And, uh, I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about the Sheffield match and a little bit about, about going forward, but, you know, I would say the Sheffield match was a little bit like our season in that the first half, not a lot to write home about. Some mistakes, not really great play. Uh, second half, though, more than acceptable. Pretty exciting. Good, strong finish. Um, I think I think that kind of sums it up from my perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty spot on with that that analogy. We, um, I don't know what it was in terms of I don't know why we were so poor first half I don't know why we were so good second half but I, I felt like it could have been could have easily turned into a repeat of the Brighton game that we did watch together um, we just seemed to really turn it on in the second half yeah it was really really kind of uh, exciting to, to talk about but um, we finished the season on, in 11th position which is one position higher than I thought we would finish at the beginning of the season um, which I will just say now was completely luck. Like, you know, it just seemed sensible. It wouldn't get me attacked by anybody if I said 11th or 12th. Uh, and I think I said 12th where nobody was going to say anything. Had I said, you know, like 7th, everybody would have freaked out. If I would have said relegation, everybody would have freaked out. So I was just playing it safe and I got pretty lucky. So uh, I, I guess, you know, preseason, did you did you kind of see us finish, foresee us finishing in, in this position? So all, all I wanted uh, preseason was... The Saints to sort of get back back on track where we're sort of improving season on season. So we finished 16th last season. I think I hoped for something around um, maybe being brutally realistic. I was hoping for something around 14th. Um, if you told me that we'd finish 11th, I'd be delighted. Obviously, you know, fighting for mid-table is not exactly the uh, most enthralling um conclusion to a Saints season ever but just to know that we're you know improving each season is something which is I've, I've been clamoring for for a very long time um, 
And yeah, I just feel like after the Sheffield United game, I just feel very, very encouraged at how we could do going forward under Ralph. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I, when I shut the TV off yesterday and kind of went about my day, I had a smile on my face the whole time because it was just, and it's very, very, you know, there was no sense of relief. It was a little bit, I'm a little bit sad that it's over, but I'm also really excited to see kind of what happens over the summer. There's, there's yeah. talk of us, you know, announcing a player any day now. And, um, as part of this show, people will hear at the, uh, after we talk, uh, my conversation with Zach Lowey about, uh, Muhammad Salisu, um, and, and on that. So people will, will hear that later, but you know, it just, it just seems like we're in going in the right direction. I guess that I've had that feeling now for a couple of weeks, I guess, since the restart. And yeah, it, it's really, really nice to have that where I think going into previous seasons or exiting previous seasons, you know, I remember Claude Poole kind of got booed on the last day. Um, you know, <laughs> and you know, then, then we had Mark Hughes <laughs> finishing who, eight. Yeah. And a cup final. Finishing eight. Yeah. And a cup final. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we had Hughes who I think, based on the uh, on the back of that Swansea game where they were just worse than us we gave them a contract extension that didn't work out um it, you know this is this is a better end of the season i think that we've had in uh, since Kuman um uh, and it doesn't i don't foresee any kind of negativity coming back over the summer where you know Kuman was obviously demanding things that that didn't happen i feel like everybody's more on the same page now and that means that the the system is working the process is working and uh hopefully we continue to smile and, and watch this all come crashing down by, uh, by mid August. And, you know, I'll, I'll be crying on, on air, but that's, that's okay. Well, at least you can edit out any, any tears. I'll, ha- I'll edit out like the heavy sob, but like, I'll leave like the, yeah. the soft crying. Um, yeah. You just hear tears splashing into the microphone. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I felt so optimistic. Um, Mark Hughes, it, it, at the time I actually I hate saying this. I actually felt like it was an earned uh, contract extension. Mm-hmm. It was a terrible decision in hindsight. Um, Kuman, Kuman, I was optimistic after his first season. His second season, that was doused when uh, he left. Yeah. Um, but even then, I, I kind of felt like enough enough had been set up in place where, just like when Pochettino went and all, all the players went with him. Um, well, not directly with him, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I felt like, oh, well, Kuman's left. Well, we'll just get someone else in, and it'll be fine. Um, obviously, it didn't pan out over the seasons. Um, and I, I just feel it's, I just feel like we actually have a manager who wants to be there, and and not only that, um, he's made such a visible impact on the team. Um, I am genuinely excited to see what next season brings, and it's not too far away. Um, so hopefully we don't lose any of our momentum. Uh, the team somehow looks among one of the fittest in the league, mm-hmm. despite despite the uh, the lockdown. Um, and I just hope we can sort of continue what Ralph started since um, mid June. Yeah, yeah, I I am definitely hoping that and. I was looking at kind of matches as after we come back from from breaks this season under Ralph, and we've been really good in those matches. Um, the all the stuff is in the in the newsletter from last week. But um, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Is that because our players have been so that they're not on international breaks, <laughs> <laughs> and we and we, and we can train them. <laughs> Uh, partially i i think i think that's definitely has something to do with it, the fact that they are there to 
to have these ideas further beat into them, you know, and, and, and to have yeah. them, and maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but like to have just to better understand their role in, in the system and how to work the system yeah. and do that. And I think that you can see how much better we've been, um, you know, since that international break um, post October and early November. Um, and then they, they just have been so much better at, at, at playing within that system. And we've, we've had a fairly consistent team in there. And my only kind of reservation was how far down the pecking order did that, did that go and how many players understood it. And were we not seeing more rotation because the other players didn't understand the system or because this is what Ralph was comfortable with. And I, and I don't know, I still don't have, I still don't have answers to that, but I am, I'm using that at least to make myself think that when we come back from this break, you know, it's not as long as normal uh, in terms of summer, but we're going to be ready to go again. Like I, I have no reason to kind of, at this point to, to believe anything other than we'll be, we'll be back and be ready to go and be better than, than we have been this season, next season. And I just hope that's, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'll touch wood and everything else. I, I, I can't see why we can't continue what we've got going on either. Um, I don't know, maybe other teams may catch up in terms of fitness, but to be fair, everyone had like a fair amount of games to get through. Yeah. Um, and, and we still look good. Uh, apart from the Arsenal game, um, and the City game, we, we won, but obviously we, we probably weren't the better team in terms of play. <laughs> um, we are, we're at least a better team for a half, which is a remarkable improvement on um, last season, the early half of this season. Um, and yeah, I, I just hope we continue momentum. I can't see us losing too many players that will make a huge difference to our starting lineup. I mean, Hoiberg. Didn't even make the bench yesterday. Um, and Romeo, who I, <laughs> as you have pointed out, I haven't always been uh, totally complimentary of. Um, I'd like to think we'd improve on that area of central midfield, but he's been, he's been perfectly fine there. So I can't see us losing any players that would make a big difference to our starting 11. And hopefully we can bring in some to at least bolster our squad if not add some more quality in the starting team yeah yeah um and for people wondering what with that that was back on the patreon uh, episode where <laughs> uh, Romeo was in the match and and i think i think freddie asked me how what i thought about Romeo, and then i i threw back to i think it was puel's first season um where people had nominated Romeo as, as kind of player of the season and and you you <laughs> you were not having it um so oh, i had no, a little bit of yeah, I wasn't, and I stand by what I say. Um, but also, I'm, I'm always of the opinion of I'd rather Saints players do well than not. So even if I, if I'm not overly convinced by a player, I, I'm always willing for them to prove me wrong because that benefits the team at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, more than happy with how Romero has played. Um, another player who, in the past, I hadn't been. Um, too enamored about has been James Ward Prowse, and I think apart from Danny Ying, he's probably been our most impressive player this season. Um, so I'm all for uh, players to uh, you know throw egg on my face. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about about the the team sheet from yesterday or the starting lineup. Um, McCarthy, Walker, Peters, Vestergaard, Stevens make up the back four. Bednarak had a little bit of an issue. Um, Bertrand's back there. Sorry, I forgot him. 
Uh, then Romeo and Ward-Prowse in central midfield, Armstrong and Redmond uh, playing ahead of them, and then Ings and Adams starting up top. I mean, if we would have looked at the beginning of the season, that was something that I, I think we could have foreseen, although I think we would have we would have thought Hoiberg would have been in there. Um, you know, kind of fitting that we don't ever see him in the new kit because he's probably not going to ever wear it. Um, yeah. And and I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about us wearing the new kit on the last day of the season. It seems like a... It's definitely like they want to sell things, and I understand that they need to, especially in this time when they're not selling tickets. Anything they get in is is good. So so I guess I'm okay with that. Anyway, I mean, is there any surprise with that with the lineup given given the injury to Benrack and you don't really want to risk him at this point? Um, there's no real reason to play Danzo. You give you give uh, Vestergaard one more chance to maybe um, you put himself in the shop window, and and then you know Walker Peters and Bertrand are really the only senior uh, fullbacks that have really been great. I mean, I know, I know Vokens has come in for, for Bertrand at points, but I think really, if you're, if you're talking about the guys that are up to the premier league standard at this point, those are the two guys that have to be there. Yeah. Uh, on the, on the bed and point, um, we mentioned earlier that, you know, the, the, the turnaround in between seasons is quite slim. So yeah, what, what's the point in risking plus? Yeah. It's, it's another chance to put Vestgaard in the shop window. Um, we did see him get absolutely rinsed for pace by by a uh, middle-aged Billy Sharp. So I don't, I don't know if Vestergaard did too much um, boost his stock. But um, apart from that, I feel like he was serviceable enough. Um, and yeah, the rest of the squad, a lot was made about, you know, you, know, you get prize money um, at the end of the season based on, on your position. I think it's uh, a matter of a few million from 12th to 11th. Um, I don't see as why not to play a, a strong squad, even if, and even then it was conservative in terms of um, yeah, saving Bednarek from potentially aggravating um, a pre-existing injury. So, yeah, uh, no complaints to the squad. And um, I'm glad we were competitive. I think it, it showed uh, against Brighton when we had a bit of a change starting 11 that... Um, Maybe some of our squad uh, squad players and and sort of youth academy products maybe quite uh, quite aren't ready for uh, first team football just yet. Yeah, yeah, and they'll they'll take time. They'll grow, and hopefully they'll they'll be there. Um, yeah, soon. They're, they're getting the chances. That's that's the important thing. Yeah, and and I think that encourages you to stick around a little bit and not look for other places to go. You know, and and mm. the ones that are that are approaching that quality. You know, you'd think Smallbone came in yesterday as Armstrong had to go off with an injury and, and he played well. Um, he played both uh, just ahead of the midfield too. And then later in the game came back and played next to Ward Prowse. So like, you know, all, all good things, I think in terms of, of, of what they're seeing and they're being integrated now. And, and I think that's, that's super important going forward. And hopefully we continue to, to scout and add to the, to the, the team underneath the first team and, and, and bring those guys through so that when they get to the first team, they are, they are ready to jump into that system. Um, as long as, as Ralph is, is operating that way, I think it's fine. Yeah. That, that's the important thing. Just, just even having, um, a, a younger players sort of exposed to first team football, even if it's, uh, from the bench, they don't even come on just the fact that they're training with the first team. Uh, they're getting that, you know, full, full premier league experience. Um, under their belts, that that will serve them well alone, even if they don't play necessarily, or don't get the minutes that they they want. Um, one one thing I wanted to quickly say, Kevin Danso, I don't know how he felt 
um, being on that bench because I've, he's been played out of position. A lot of the times he has featured for Saints this season as, as a makeshift right back, left back. Um, and even when we signed him, I believe, uh, we, we signed him as a centre-half. I'm surprised we didn't see him rotating the squad a little more um, after lockdown. And I think it's safe to say it's unlikely that we'll be um, extending his loan or keeping him on permanently. Uh, I was wondering what you, you thought about Sanso as a whole and um, if you think he has any chance of staying on at St. No, I, I don't. I don't think he'll be here. I thought, honestly, I thought that Oxburg had already announced that he was back <laughs> and then he was still on our team. They, 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 <laughs> I mean, they may have done that. Um, I, I don't know, but I just find it weird that he didn't even really get a look in even as a, a sub, really. Yeah, I, honestly, I was thinking about it this morning before we recorded is, you know, you think about about his experience coming over here and, and all of the buildup we had around him and, and what we thought he was going to be. And then like, you think about if we sent a guy on loan and he never got a, a chance at his normal, as his normal position, it's almost been in some ways a wasted year for him of development. Yeah. Like, he could have stayed and, and probably started a lot more games in his natural position and, and developed a lot more than coming over here and, and, you know, being played as a as a right sided center back, being played as a left back. Um, you know, yeah. and it's just it's just one of those things where man, you just you feel for him a little bit, but no, I can't see us keeping around, especially with Salisu being rumored to be to be close. Yeah. You you think that's that's the guy. Um so it's no really, think, it's, sorry, it's it's really strange to think, but if you recall, Danso was signed on the last day of the transfer window late on. And he was almost being treated as the make or break for a successful transfer window. Um, and he has barely played for us. Um, I don't know if just Ralph just doesn't rate him or, you know, there's been some other circumstances we're not aware of. But, yeah, he, he must be disappointed. It's almost a counterintuitive loan move in the end. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I just think about how disappointed I would be if one of our guys had that happen and how upset yeah. I would be with the club that loaned him or that, that took him on loan, you know? And I guess we'll never probably point. really know what happened there because Vestergaard continues to get in the team even though <laughs> he, you know, you would think anybody would fit the system a little bit better than Vestergaard just given the pace. But yeah, Vestergaard can't pass. He, can, he does have that long diagonal in him, which I, I just, I love that. Um, <laughs> I don't, that, that foot race between him and Billy Sharp was <laughs> amazing. That was particularly bad, wasn't it? But yeah. like, it, we, we haven't even, I mean, since we've been confirmed to be safe from relegation, we haven't been playing for anything. We, we've played as if we're playing for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember how shocked a lot of, uh, pundits outside of, pundits and fans outside the Saints bubble were, Saints were playing, I think the term, used often was uh, playing as if it's a cup final and you know everything was riding on that particular game but yeah i'm surprised that uh Danso wasn't thrown in for some of the less games like even the the brighton game right um you know where we had a totally um sort of reshaped team yeah you didn't as far as i'm aware i don't think he featured at all no no i don't think he came in at all after the after the break and I struggle to find it. I was thinking of the last time he actually played um, at all, which is, is not great if you're 
on right. loan and trying to develop, but um, you know, whatever we, we missed, we missed there and it didn't, it didn't work. And hopefully he recovers and does well next season. I don't have any, Ill, I don't wish him any ill will. You know, he didn't, he didn't yeah, do anything sure. wrong. Yeah, still young. I, I, I hope, um, I hope he's gained something from the loan. I, I feel bad if he has wasted the year. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about some moments of the match because although, you know, we, I mentioned kind of the, the first half, second half, uh, kind of mirroring our season a little bit. Uh, we got ourselves into some trouble and were let off by Billy Sharp not being sharp in terms of, of when he chose to, to shoot or pass or whatever he was doing. Um, we had a situation where I thought Ings was fouled on the edge of the area or in the area, uh, nothing given. They immediately play a ball down the channel and it's a foot race between Sharp and, and Vestergaard who just gets rinsed basically. Um, and and I don't know what Sharp's doing. He just holds on too long and McCarthy comes up with a save and we get kind of lucky there. Um, there was another instance where McCarthy just gave the ball away, like passed it straight to him. And then, you know, I, I want to say Romeu kind of came in to clean it up and, and Stevens uh, helped out a little bit there too, but we, we definitely got away with some mistakes on Sunday. Uh, and you just wonder if I guess Sheffield a little bit are a little bit sharper Maybe we we don't get away with it. Maybe maybe we're down two or three nothing by halftime. Yeah, we. I don't know what it was, but we definitely looked shaky first half. Best that that foot race between Best Guard and Sharp um, will live long in the memory. Um, and I, I think that's because it took seventy five seconds for them to run fifty yards. <laughs> and I, I think Sharp only messed that chance up because he was so shocked that he won a foot race. Um, but he just he even he just even shrugged him off um, yeah. as if Vestgaard wasn't even there. And Vestgaard's what six, seven, six, eight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sharp should have done a lot better. And that was before they they taken the lead, if I if I remember rightly. Um, so yeah, they they had chances. We were definitely fortunate to come in um, to the second half, only one nil down. Yeah, I, I would say uh, you know at some point. Armstrong lost the ball kind of in the middle of the park and was down injured immediately after he stayed on. Um, and, and then my kind of question was that that cross for the goal, all kinds, just not great defending, which is not anything yeah. new for us. Um, but Armstrong wasn't really there to close the ball down. I think he was already injured. And I just kind of think like if there's more pressure on the ball, because Armstrong is, is was able to carry on basically like maybe that cross doesn't come in the right way, but still then the ball bounces in the area. Um, everybody's slow to react. I think it goes through Vestergaard's legs uh, and Lundstrom just kind of pounces on it and scores. And it's, it's just really sloppy to give away, but you know, it, it is what it is. And, it, and I thought we responded well, we kind of got a little bit better going forward um, after that small bone comes in for Armstrong and plays well. And then, I, you know, I don't even, I don't even ever know what happens in the locker room but Ralph tends to, to get the best out of them when I think he points out what's going on. And, and maybe, maybe there's another player in there who, who was doing it. Obviously, I used to think it was Hoiberg who would get on the team, but maybe it's not because he obviously wasn't there. Um, so, I, you know, I just, I, I just wonder about some of those things. And, and, and then we just seem to just blow them out of the water as, as the game went on. They seem to run out of legs and we seem to just keep, keep going, which is something that we talked about as well with our fitness. Yeah, um, as discouraging as it is with you know some of the games where we've had such poor starts in, it's it's equally as encouraging that we seem to be able to totally reverse 
the game in a positive way. Also, we just need to, you know, eliminate or find out the reason why um, we can be sluggish in uh, periods of times in games and to try and uh, sort of uh, prolong the periods where we're, we're, the, we're the best side. Um, I don't know whether it's like a very subtle tactical thing um, that we can't see from the outside looking in or if it is just a simple case of Ralph or another player, you know, essentially giving the hair dryer treatment at halftime. Not sure what it is. Um, but at least we have, um, you know, we have it within our squad to reverse the fortunes of a match. That we just need to eradicate the um, sort of periods of play where we're not so at the races. Yeah. And just the, the couple of times it seems to happen every game where we just switch off for a second and sometimes we're punished and sometimes we're not. And I think we saw both the best and the worst of McCarthy yesterday, um, came up with some big saves one-on-one, uh, made some stops, made some claims, but then also just passed the ball to the other team. And it's just one of those things where that, that is the flaw in his game in terms of, of us playing out from the back is he's not the best with his feet, but he does some of the other things. Well, you have, Gun, who's better with his feet but can't seem to stop a shot, and then Fraser Forrester is just kind of the who knows where that really goes um, and what he's going to be like when he comes back. But um, as we as we mentioned, the second half um, much much better. I'll be honest, I missed the first five minutes. I came back and we were level, um, mostly because I burnt my oatmeal and I had to start over, and that was not a good sign. <laughs> um, but we were good, uh, and, and and that first goal from Adams, I think. Um, almost almost things like where the ball is just there and he he fires at home and there's no no time to think no no worrying about it just reacting and and being first to react which is something that i think is so good to see from our team because uh at the opposite end of the goal we conceded lundstrom was was there to react faster than bertrand and, and everybody else yeah that that shay adams goal um is the epitome of a uh, a confidence goal the the shot didn't really look on um, Henderson should have done better in reality, but the fact that he, you know, had the ball at his feet, he managed to shift it out, just at least try and fire a shot on target, which he did, and fortunately for us, it went in. Uh, that goes to show, um, you know, just how much getting that first goal out of the way for, for Adams um, has done for him, and obviously he's uh, starting to rack him up now. Yeah, uh, I mean, what is that, four in his last six games there after going over 30? Um, it's nice to see him doing that, and, and it gives me some encouragement uh, going forward, I think, and it should be encouraging to, to all of us that that hopefully this partnership is going to work. Um, and then, you know, if we can get some goals and spread them around a little bit, I think that'll be that'll be good because Ings, um, you know, didn't didn't get the golden boot, but, but did score just an absolute ton of goals and was a, a pleasure to watch. And luckily, he wants to say, so I don't think he'll be going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, all, all the positive signs are there between Adams and, uh, and Ings as a partnership. And the season's so long. This season has been so long, sorry. Uh, it, it's easy to forget that Adams was the starting striker mm-hmm. uh, to begin the season. Um, obviously, he, had, he didn't have the best time of it, and he was actually quite unlucky. I, I remember the Sheffield United game uh, away, hit the post. Um, and but his poor form also coincided with Saints not playing particularly well either. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make an argument that Saints started playing better when Ings became the first choice striker, but also as a sort of direct result of the lesser game, I believe Ralph switched up his system 
yeah. um, which has obviously served us uh, very well since. But it's the fact that we can now play with both of them on the pitch and they both of them keep this comfortable in their respective roles. I definitely see that being a positive. And if, um, and if either Ings or Adams are unavailable, I feel Long is more than comfortable filling the, the Adams role. Yeah. Um, and Ings can do his thing. Or if Long has to come in for Ings, I feel like Adams could play the Ings role. Yeah. Um, I feel like for the first time in a long time, we have some viable attacking options um, in the center of the pitch where I kind of feel comfortable no matter what combination um, of players are, are featured from the off. And, and that's not even mentioning Obafemi, who um, is more than capable as well. Yeah, yeah. I would say the second goal from Adams is, is along the same lines too. KWP cuts in, gets a shot away. I don't know if it goes off the midsection or what it is, but Adams is just there to, to pounce on it again and hammer it home. Um, and then I, I think the the only one of the questions that came up is, you know, we get the penalty late on and the, the guy Adams has struggled to score all year, all of a sudden has four and six games is on a hat trick and we get a penalty and Ings steps up to take it. And it's like, Oh no, like I don't want there to be any kind of, you know, animosity between the two. And it didn't, I, they didn't show it if there was, but you know, Ings takes it, dispatches it, you know, gets the monkey off his back in terms of, of, of missing the one last week. Um, isn't going to get the golden boot because it just wasn't going to happen. But uh, are, you have any problem with that? Or you think Adam should have been allowed to take it just to complete the hat trick? Um, mixed feelings, but I'd say 80% of me would rather Ings penalty like I'm all for Adams to get more goals to build up his confidence going forward but I just feel it, you even saw it in the sort of last five minutes of the game Saints were still full of energy but there were players like Redmond who were you, I almost felt like every ounce of effort he was putting into the game was to try and help Ings and Ings was actually playing quite uh, selflessly which was Surprising because, um, you know, we all know how much he wanted the, the golden boot. Right. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that was probably a, a decision made before the game had even started. Um, and I think the whole team was almost willing things to uh, at least equal Vardy in yeah. the dying embers of the match. So I, I have no problem with it at all. Yeah, I think the only thing I really wanted at the end of the match was I just kept screaming to get Ings another chance. Like, why are we playing around with it? Why are we passing? Yeah. Like, get the ball forward. Get it. You know, just get him the ball. Let him try it. Like, I don't care if where he shoots from. Just get him a chance. But it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> we actually, yeah, we actually started playing uh, quite sloppily towards the end because I think they were trying to get the ball to him. Um, and the way Ings sort of moves, he, he's quite often in the channels, so. <laughs> He'd often find himself with the ball, but trying to get rid of it as quickly as possible so he can find some kind of advanced position yeah. where he could find himself with a chance. So uh, they, they were trying, um, but yeah, it was uh, all in vain in the end. Yeah. At, least he, at least he was second. I, I didn't want him to get overtaken on the last day. Right, right. No, it's, and it's, it's, I mean, it's not often, I don't think, I, I'd have to check, I could be completely wrong, that you have two... English players at the top of the at the of the goal scoring chart, you know, for the race for the golden boot, where it was two English players. That doesn't, I don't think that's happened probably in a long time. I could be completely wrong again. Uh, things I shouldn't say without checking beforehand, but I, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm confident enough. Um, I'm probably gonna leave that in. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm confident enough to agree with you, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, just the whole thing yesterday. Like, the start of the game wasn't great, but it is the last day. There's kind of a celebratory thing. I know some of the patrons of the show, we were kind of chatting um, during the game, and Dave Lee, who lives in California, which means it was an 8 o'clock kickoff, was at least one twenty-two ounce Russian Imperial Stout deep um, a, as the game was getting underway, which is, I think, I got to salute him for that. Um, you know, we were having a, a pretty good time, but it, it just got so much better when the team started to, to play better in the second half and I think really showed how much they've grown and progressed from the beginning of the season to now. Or, and if you want to say from the Everton game to now or the 9-0 to now, whatever it is, um, you know, we're not the same team we were in October. And I think that Ralph and the players um, and the coaching staff and everybody behind the scenes has, should take a lot of credit for that and not just rest on it and continue to move forward. And I think they will, but I just think they, they deserve, uh, they deserve to be commended for what they've done because I think they've, they've turned around a fan base a little bit that was extremely negative, extremely pessimistic and, and really doubting our ability to kind of get better. And if it was ever going to happen, um, and I and I maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking too broadly. Maybe it's just me, but I really do feel that way. I really do feel like the the now where we're at is is a hundred times uh, a complete turnaround. I guess from from where we were, and and I, I just couldn't be happier with it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with pretty much everything you just said. Um, we haven't mentioned the defeat yet. I won't mention the scoreline or the team. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt well, people are down on the team, and we've good reason. I definitely thought um, we were dead and buried at, at some stage of the season, uh, probably around after that loss. Obviously, we were in a relegation zone um, for a while. Um, but yeah, just the Christmas period um, really showed how much resolve the Saints team have. I don't know whether it was um, you know, to get battering like we did. Maybe that was the sort of kick up the arse the team needed. Um, it obviously didn't um, panic the board too much. We didn't panic by in January. Ralph uh, rightly kept his job. I can, I'll be honest, even, even after a loss of that scale, um, I found it pretty ridiculous that he was any sort of mention of uh, getting rid of Ralph Arsenhutl, um found that pretty ridiculous, even even after such a poor performance like that. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, uh, I've mentioned this before. I feel like the the reverse game against Leicester, where we win from behind, mm-hmm. the whole backstory of the uh, Leicester before the game, the Leicester media team of playing highlights with commentary as Saints are warming up um, of that defeat. Yeah, you know, that was almost a perfect storm to really sort of stick two fingers up at. Um, at Leicester for one but also any of the, the doubters of this team and the manager and um, ever since then um, and, uh, well I say ever since then before that we've got some great results against Chelsea and Spurs as well um, but ever since then we've, we've not really looked back um, the re- since the restart we've apart from that Arsenal game we, we, we've been brilliant yeah. um, and just the nature of you know having such a long break, it's it's almost uh, easy to forget how bad we were at some stages of this season. Um, 
and we just look totally transformed side and with very little um you know changes of the squad in the meantime yeah you know our, we had a relatively quiet summer transfer window we've already talked about danso being sort of heralded as this sort of uh, defining signing on, on the last day of the transfer window and he barely played at all um, kind of sums everything up Adams was obviously the marquee signing um, and it's taken uh, you know the restart for him to find his form and Saints uh, fortunately have looked brilliant along with it yeah yeah just looking at Danzo uh, he managed a total of 601 minutes across all competitions for us this season just 10 appearances not, not great, but like you said, the team the team progressed and and, and did well. Uh, I should say that um, the the penalty question uh, about should Ings have given the penalty to to Adams that came from Kevin McGee, one of the patrons of the show. We have several other questions. I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but they will make good talking points uh, next week as well. So we'll just roll them over. Uh, but one we were kind of talking about this Lester thing. Um, you know, the game we lost nine nothing. I don't even care about talking about it because at this point I just think it's hilarious that everybody has to bring it up all the time. Um, yeah. but, uh, Justin Woodward, another one of the, uh, the patrons asked, like, do you think we get the same result, the same kind of, do you think we finished the season as strongly or get the turnaround we got if we would have only lost that game by two goals or, uh, and then one of the other patrons, uh, of the show, um, points out that, you know, if you just take the, the XG for the game and round up, it's, it would have been five, nothing. Do you think that, that we get the same, the same kind of bounce back, or do you think that it had to be such a devastating result? And such a like a put it on the calendar. We're going to hear about it every time uh, the, uh, going forward. If it's not one of those results, do you think we get the same kind of the bounce from it? I guess. Really, really good question. I, I actually feel like we needed. Yeah, I, I think regardless of how the season ended, I actually feel like we needed um, a bit of a hiding, um, like we received from Leicester. Um, just the, as I mentioned, the, the Leicester away game really showed how how much it affected the team. Um, there was the the now infamous photo of Jack Stevens doing his uh, Aosi Perez impression um, as Saints get the winner. Um, it clearly affected the team, um, but it could it could have easily affected the team in a in a worse way, where you know totally bereft of confidence. Um, we weren't playing well at the time anyway in the lead-up to that, that defeat. And we didn't play too well after the defeat either. Um, but I feel like that was maybe the kick-up Saints needed, that things weren't right. And it, it also prompted some uh, tactical changes from Ralph, which has obviously served us well since. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if we simply lost Tuna at home, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Um, yeah. I think regardless, I think it's, um, yeah, I almost feel like the Saints were sort of walking into a disaster like that anyway. Um, so for it to happen, you know, to all come at ahead in one match where we can see almost double-digit numbers of goals, um, I feel like that maybe sort of um, accelerated any changes the team really needed uh, addressing sooner. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. On the, on the positive, on a positive note from that, I think we definitely finished strong. And, and one thing I, I guess my biggest kind of regret about, about the season in terms of the premier league as a whole 
is you had so many teams that were playing, you know, they were, they were overachieving and they were, you know, or maybe they weren't overachieving, they're just playing so well. And it looked like we were going to have some shakeup in the top four. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's the usual suspects that are up there. Yes. Tottenham slipped a little bit and, and Arsenal finished eighth, but Sheffield United, who was having, were having, you know, obviously came up from the championship and were expected to be relegated again because they didn't really add any, anybody and things like that. Um, they looked like they made it, they, they were going to potentially challenge for Europe and they didn't get there to watch Leicester city fall out of the, uh, the champions league places. I feel a little bit for them. Um, even though, you know, obviously we're going to be linked to them for some time. Um, <laughs> But it would have been much better to have that happen by the team that you know finished third and got into the Champions League than the team who got into the Europa League and nobody really cares about. It, so <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. is, I'm not sure if there is like a an actual color, uh, correlation. Uh, I did say since the Leicester defeat, Saints earned more points than Leicester did mm-hmm. um, the rest of the season. But um, I actually feel like our win at Leicester. Um, either began or sort of caused, maybe not cause isn't the right word. I, I feel like maybe our win at Leicester um, was the beginning of their sort of run of poor form yeah. as well. I always like to see um, you know, things shaken up at the top, um, whether Saints are involved or not. I can't sound too upset about Leicester throwing it away. Yeah. Um, all, it, all it takes is for me to remember how Jamie Vardy uh, shushed our crowd after banging in a penalty to make it 9-0 for some reason. <laughs> All I need to do is think about that and think, yeah, actually, um, I don't, I'm not too fussed about them uh, falling at the last hurdle. Well, and, then, and then he's the guy that keeps things from getting the golden boot too. And it's, you, you think back, yeah. you know, that penalty goal was one of those goals. And it's just like, okay, well, now I hate them again. So thanks for, ma- they, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy they missed out now. But thank you for changing my mind on that. <laughs> Um, but Jake, this has been, this has been wonderful. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure to be able to, to reminisce on, on things that are, that are good and happy and, and we can kind of end the season on a, on a, on a high note and we'll, we'll get to all of the questions next week. I'll set aside more time. It just didn't quite work out, but, um, but thank you again, man. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you continue to be well and, and hopefully this, uh, this form continues in, into next season. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's always great talking to you, Matt, before and, uh, during the podcast. Um, and yeah, I can't remember the last time I felt so good, um, you know, seeing Saints close off the season. We didn't let up any steam, um, despite being safe from relegation for quite a few games. And um, yeah, I, I'd like to hope that um, we'll continue in a similar vein. I can't see why not. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, they can do that at JJ Hughes underscore. You're also at St. Mary's Musings uh, and the link to St. Mary's Musings where people can go and find uh, you know more articles and things about the club uh, is there. You're also partnered with the Oh When the Saints podcast, uh, which is out and available wherever you listen to podcasts. There will be a link in the show notes to them as well. Uh, you're also on there this week, so people can go there and, and, and hear more. Hopefully I asked different questions. Uh, it's not it's just a repeat, but uh you yeah. did well, don't worry. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll take <laughs> well, that. I'm, I just hope people don't get sick of hearing my boy. You know, I mean, you have a significant other, and she's still around, so I'm going to say you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing something just about right, I'm sure. <laughs> all right, man. Well, we'll talk to you soon, and, uh, and thanks again. Thank you. And that was Jake Hughes, editor of St. Mary's Musings. You can get in touch with him on Twitter at 
JJ Hughes underscore. You can also follow St. Mary's Musings at St. Mary's Musings on Twitter. And we'll now turn from looking back at last season to looking forward uh, to hopefully Saints' newest signing or soon-to-be signing. Uh, the rumors are that it's all done now and just waiting on the team to announce Mohamed Salisu. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't really know a lot about uh, Salisu and uh, you, you can watch YouTube clips and you can kind of read up on things. And one of the people that I, that I came across that had done some, some really good work on Salisu um, was Zach Lowey of BreakingTheLines.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach Lowey and at BTLVid. If you're not familiar with Breaking the Lines, you can check them out. It's quite interesting. Lots of good stories. Uh, lots of good analysis as well. So Zach had written a scouting report on Salisu and he just kind of helped break down kind of where he's going to fit into the team and things like that helped answer and clarify a lot of questions that I had, and I hope it does the same for you. The patrons of the show got early access to this as, as one of the benefits of, of being a patron, uh, but now you all get it here as well. So I hope you enjoy it, and we'll get into that now. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on the other side. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Zach Lowy. You can find him on Twitter at Zach Lowy. He's the co-creator of Breaking the Lines uh, video. It's at BTLVid. Uh, and you can get more from him at BreakingTheLines.com. Zach, uh, been a big fan of your work for uh, a, a long time. Seen a lot of stuff come from from Breaking the Lines and, um, and BTLVid. And uh, it's a pleasure to be able to, to chat with you today. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, Southampton's uh, hope, uh, what we all assume at this point will be the new signing may be announced by the time uh, this episode comes out. But um, as of Friday, it's, it's rumored that he's coming. But um, yeah, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to uh, come on and talk about Mohamed Salisu. Uh, we actually ran a scouting report on Salisu on Breaking the Lines a few months prior. Um, yeah, very talented player. And if Southampton can pull off this signing, I definitely think it'll be the, uh, the defensive reinforcement that they've been waiting for. Uh, really, since Virgil van Dijk left. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were, you know, we were, supposedly we made the signing a couple of times in terms of, uh, you know, we signed Vestergaard, we signed a couple of other uh, center backs that just haven't quite uh, worked out uh, or brought in guys on loan and stuff like that. But um, so Lisa, you know, just watching some of the highlights and, and reading up on the report that you guys ran, um, he looks really, really, really good. Um, but, but before we jump into that, can you just give uh, just a brief kind of overview of, of what BTL vid is and, and what Breaking the Lines is? That way, uh, if anybody isn't familiar with it, they can uh, know a little bit more about it and how to get there. Yeah, Breaking the Lines, it's uh, BTL vid on Twitter. It is a uh, football analysis site. So we do pretty much a bit of everything. Uh, you know, today we ran a piece on Norwich City's relegation and where it all went wrong for them after winning the championship last season. Uh, we also ran a piece on Irene, Irene Gonchalc, who is considered the best player in uh, Angolan women's uh, football history. So we do a bit of everything uh, solely relating to football, but really stretching the boundaries and always committing to uh, uniqueness and quality every single time. So uh, you can check out the Salisu piece on the site, as well as a few other uh, great articles that we're putting out every day. All right. All right. Well, and, and I'll, I'll link to all those in the, in, in the show notes. So the link to breaking the lines and BTL vid is there. Uh, and then we'll also link directly to the Salisu uh, article in case anybody wants to, to kind of read up a little bit more on, on what we're talking about today. But um, 
I guess my question is, is how does a guy like Salisu get noticed among all of the other talent in Ghana? How does he even come to uh, arrive in Spain? Uh, if, if you could kind of give us, I guess, what, what about him stood out to, to the scouts? And I think the guy's name is Fran Castaño, I think. Uh, but what, what makes him kind of recognizable or, or stand out to, to him initially? It's interesting because uh, before Salisu joined the Real Valladolid's U21, U19 side, um, he had not played a competitive match, really, of, you know, 11 v 11. Uh, so, incredibly raw when he came to Valladolid, which I believe was in, like, October 2017. Uh, the fact that he's managed to uh, grow in value despite having a pretty informal footballing, footballing education uh, has been pretty remarkable. And uh, we actually, I actually interviewed Fran Castaño um, on my Spanish language podcast uh, a few months ago, and we spoke about you know his path in in making the uh, African Football Talent Academy in Ghana, but as well as the Salisu, what kind of player he is. When he first showed up to training, he did not have uh, a pair of cleats, a pair of boots, so he had to actually. He had to have a, a friend of his or a, a teammate uh, loan him boots until he could uh, he could get some. But yeah, it's, it was just a very interesting interview. Um, but basically, Castaño offered Salisu to a variety of Spanish clubs, you know, and he has a decent amount of connections in Spanish clubs because he worked uh, in the technical sector of several uh, Spanish clubs. But the only team that was interested in taking him was. Real Valladolid, um, which was because I believe the, the U19 or the U23 coach uh, was, yeah, he had already formed a special connection with Castaño, so he was, like, I forgot his name, I think it was Fernandez something, um, but he was basically saying, you know what, I trust Castaño's eye for talent, I will take him. He saw a few games himself, but uh, anyways, he went to Valladolid. Uh, really shot up, did well in every single level that he played at, whether that's the, you know, the U19s, whether that's the, uh, you know, playing for Valladolid's B team in the, the second division. Really did well uh, in every single one of the levels that he played at and was even given his uh, competitive debut at the first team level in January 2019, I believe, against Catafe in a Copa del Rey match. Didn't really play that much until until this season, though, um, which happened because it's really a product of a chain of events in the transfer world. Uh, Fernando Calero, who had been very good in Valladolid's first season back up in the Primera in 2018-19, uh, he left for Espanol, and the, in the waning days of the uh, of the summer transfer window, because he was going to replace. Mario Hermoso, uh, an Espanol who had left to join Atletico Madrid, who himself uh, was coming to Atletico to replace um, well, both Lucas Hernandez and Gabriel Dodin, who had left. Um, so it was really all a chain of events. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think you can make the argument that uh, out of all the players from that chain of events, Salisu has probably been uh, probably the best off. I mean, Lucas Hernandez himself has failed to uh, crack the starting lineup at Bayern and struggled with injuries. Uh, Hermoso is still sort of a fringe player at Letico. Uh, Calero has been a pretty big flop. Uh, but on the end of that chain of events, 
Kalisu has been uh, pretty incredible for him. And it's, it's just fascinating because Valladolid actually did better this season than they did last season, despite not really signing a replacement for Calero. You know, they really just trusted their academy team. They brought in a few players on loan, but uh, Salisu was the man who, who immediately from the off onset stepped into that starting spot and uh, formed a really uh, good center back pairing with Pico Olivas, who uh, was really a, a, a steady uh, head and leader in the, um, in the heart of Valladolid's defense. I do think it'll be a bit of a struggle uh, for Salisu at the start without Olivas next to him because he was just so crucial. Um, but, you know, it remains to be seen whether, whether he will, how he will adapt to Rafa's little style and also what, what center back partner would better for him. Yeah, I did have a question about that because Southampton don't have that kind of steady senior center back that can kind of coach someone through. And uh, you see a lot of fans, uh, at least on Twitter, which is not always the best kind of barometer of what everybody thinks, but um, a lot of people on Twitter are thinking it's going to be Bednarak and Salisu. And, and one thing that I, I kind of gathered from kind of watching is I, I saw him give away a couple of, of penalties. Um, he didn't pick up a ton of cards, I, don't, I didn't think, but he seemed to be very aggressive in terms of, of winning the ball and engaging in duels, and he won a high percentage of them. But that, that fits more, it seems like, uh, you know, it... it to me, it, it seems like we need somebody else that's going to sit behind him and let him be that kind of aggressor. And I and I worry about not having that, um, especially at the Premier League level, where I I imagine guys will kind of suck him in a little bit and may, maybe kind of bait him into into giving away fouls. Do you do you do you see that as being a problem? It sounds like maybe it might be some just just need some time to grow. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, he definitely needs plenty of time to grow. You have to uh, remember that. You know, not only is he, I don't know, 21, I think, 20 years old, uh, he's still, he's, he's also uh, really only just coming off his first uh, season in, the, in an elite league. So, yeah, he, he is error-prone at times, uh, a bit rash, I would say. Um, but those things, you know, they will, they will come and improve. Uh, you know, besides that, I think we've seen that Salito is able to, you know, take on challenges wherever he goes, and, you know, he's a very complete defender. Uh, athletically, I mean, there really aren't many that are better than him in the Premier League. Uh, he's, you know, superb in the air. He's got really good covering speed. Uh, there are certain things that he needs to work on, though. I mean, he can be a bit rash uh, when it comes to, to challenges and, and giveaway fouls, as well as um, he can be a bit punky when, when turning on the ball. Um, but for the most part, I think that the, the main thing is just taming his aggression, which is something that, you know, is seen with really any young defender, yeah. even players such as Matthias De Ligt, who, you know, joined Juventus for uh, $75 million last last summer. So that's just something that Southampton fans are going to have to accept uh, with a player so, both so cheap and so young. But, yeah, in general, I do think that Salisu has... All of that it takes to become a uh, a success at the Premier League level, and I do think that um, you know, in terms of the moves, you know, there are a lot of uh, rumors that link to teams such as Arsenal, Manchester United, uh, teams that are definitely of a higher caliber than Southampton and a higher uh, level and a higher pressure. I think it's good that that Chelsea goes to a team of of Southampton's caliber 
which is you know a stepping stone club, obviously, but that also has a, a quality coach in Ralph Hasenhutl, who can you know who, who is a top talent uh, producer and has been known to work with these players and uh, and 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 develop them. So I think that it's, he's made a good choice. I know that Ren were the other team that were uh, in for him, but uh, and and he will definitely miss out on playing Champions League football if he does join Southampton. But if he, I, you know, sometimes it's just better to, to be a bit more patient and, and wait and improve. Uh, and then, you know, perhaps in, in 2022, 2023, he'll get the opportunity to play Champions League football. Sure. Um, you know, Southampton have this kind of, uh, I guess, this history of, uh, especially now the, 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 I guess the scouting network is, is shifting to find these guys that are still young in their careers who have potential to grow because they, we kind of do have this self-sustaining model. Um, and you know, we had players like Bednarak that we signed for big money coming out of the Poland for the, the Polish first division, but not big money really. Um, and people were worried about him. He is actually kind of developed and blossomed. It's taken a couple of years. Um, didn't have an immediate impact, but has you know, made uh, been a consistent starter for us this season. Um, Musa Janebo, another one that, that came to us and, and has struggled with injuries and things like that. Um, do you, do you foresee Salisu being a starter at Southampton or do you think he's going to have to, uh, wait a year or so to, to make an impact? Um, I mean, I think that he'll probably have to wait a few weeks, maybe even months, uh, to, to get a consistent chance to be a starter. Just because I think that in general, bed, the Bednarek even pairing has done fairly well, and that um, whilst Lisu, in my opinion, has a lot higher potential than either of those two, he's still going to need to learn the new, learn the ropes of uh, playing in a new team, playing in a new league, playing under a new manager. Um, so I, I'm not sure he starts immediately, but I could definitely foresee him uh, starting like midway through the season, you know, eventually gaining spot. He definitely seems like. He would be an upgrade uh, both on Bednarek and Stevens in certain degrees, uh, but it does remain to be seen if he can form a, a good pairing with them. Mm-hmm. I think that Stevens probably has more ability on the ball than Bednarek, which is definitely a, a positive um, from Salisu's point of view. But that being said, I also think that Bednarek is a better defender than Stevens uh, in that he's a lot more a lot less prone to, uh, to errors in 1v1 duels. Mm-hmm. He's a lot more imposing in the air. Um, but I'm not, I'm not totally sure yet. Um, if, if Talisu does get into the lineup in this first season, which I believe he will, uh, I'm still not quite sure who would be the best partner for him. I would lean towards Bednarek. Um, but I think in order for that to happen, either Bednarek or Talisu, uh Preferably both would have to take a step up, not just in terms of being less rash, but also in terms of uh, being more consistent on the ball yeah. and more uh, better at better at progressing. So it definitely depends. You yeah, know? Stevens is definitely better with, in terms of distribution, uh, and even Vestergaard, I would say the, his passing range is a little bit better probably than Bednarak's. Um, and so I think. You know, we may have the two best defenders on the field if it's Bednarak and Salisu, but maybe the passing range out of the back isn't isn't there. And 
there doesn't seem, uh, and at least from what I saw, he doesn't seem to be the one to step into midfield uh, and bring the ball forward a little bit. So that, but that once again, he's young. This will take time, and you, as you said before, um, he hadn't really played eleven v eleven until he got kind of picked up in this academy, and so um, he he's got a lot of time, and it seems like he has all the physical attributes to do it. And he also seems like he didn't fold under the pressure of of making mistakes. If when he gave away a penalty, he didn't crumble. Then he still played. Uh, you know, you know, quite well, and came back and, and played. And and the the defense was better, uh, almost uh, you know, a a quarter of a goal per game, uh, less uh, or allowed less, uh, with him in the lineup versus versus not having him in the lineup. So, um, I'm actually qu- quite excited. And and for for once, we're linked with a player that seems to fit all of the criteria that the club are looking for. And it, uh, I feel like this isn't just a uh, kind of kind of a, a pipe dream for us to to land a player like this. And it looks like we could have a you know, a really, a, a really, a really fun player to watch, and, a, and another time, another chance to watch a player grow and blossom into something uh, really, really great. Um, do you have? I, I mean, just for anybody who hasn't seen him play, um, I guess what what's the first thing that jumps out to you about him? And then we'll kind of let, we'll wrap this up and let you get on with your day. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is probably his athletic ability, uh, both in terms of closing down players as well as. Uh, being very, you know, indomitable in the air. Not many, not many strikers who are going to win an aerial ball with him, even in a league such as uh, the Premier League. Um, you know, I think that not only is he good in, in defending crosses and long balls, he's also good at just uh, anticipating the path of play and, uh, and winning aerial duels. He does need to work on, I would say, ball watching as well as... Uh, you know, just focus. He is prone to some concentration errors sometimes, uh, which obviously comes with a young player such as Salisu. Um, but in general, I think that, you know, he, he sort of reminds me of Presnel Kimpembe on Paris Saint-Germain in that, uh, you know, he, he is a, a solid player on the ball. He doesn't make too many mistakes uh, in terms of rash passes or, or uh, giving the ball away. He, he's very good physically. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that, that the athleticism part, uh, you won't find many, many center backs who are, uh, superior to him in, the, in that regard. Obviously Van Dyke is an upgrade in, in that regard, but he's an upgrade, uh, pretty much any other defender. So <laughs> I think that, but I, I do think that Solisu, I mean, physically it's, it's hard to find a more, uh, a, a center back that cheap. And that complete in all those degrees because it's not just aerial ability; it's also just, you know closing down players and uh, knowing how to react. I think that you know he's obviously a raw prospect, but uh, I, I do think that Southampton is the right club for him to just develop. Uh, you won't even have you won't have that much pressure, uh, and, and it remains to be seen whether he will start from the get-go or not. I personally don't think that Hassan Hussel will break up uh, the Stevens Bednarek partnership. Immediately, but you know, say uh, they have a a loss, a, an embarrassing loss against you know Arsenal or Leicester, uh, then perhaps we could see something change. Uh, but it, it does. I, I do think that uh, Salisu has really everything it takes to be, become a success at Southampton. Uh, in fact, his central defense has been one of their weak spots for a while uh, since since Van Dyke left. And as well as Jose Font, um, 
he's going to be lacking a player like Font, like Olivas, who's more level-headed, more experienced, and who can, you know, guide him in that regard. Uh, but I do think that Hasenhutl is the right coach for him to develop under. Um, and, you know, English is his first language, so he probably won't have too much difficulty uh, adapting to the culture, adapting to the language. Um, but, yeah, in general, he's, you know, mentally, when I was, I was speaking with Fran Castaño, uh, and he said that, you know, he's a player who's, you know, mentally, he's a leader, uh, despite being kind of a shy guy. Um, but he's also a player who, you know, you need to uh, put challenges in front of him so that he can keep on working, keep on improving. Um, but from the mental and the physical aspect, looks like a very top player. Um, and it's just phenomenal. It's, it's incredible how, how quickly he's grown. Uh, one, one funny story that, that Castagna was talking about, uh, he didn't think that Salisu would be uh, you know, a top player. He had doubts about him at the start because he would show up late to training. Uh, he would. He obviously didn't have boots at the start of his practice. Uh, he did not play in many competitive matches, in any competitive matches where he went to Spain. Um, as well as, I, I think there was this one uh, tournament or one game where he actually left his passport in the bathroom. Um, so Castagna was, you know, very upset at him. But it's definitely clear that uh, that he has grown in both the physical and the mental aspect. And, you know, it's not easy to start in La Liga, but he's done it, and he's done it very well against some of the best forwards in European football. So uh, while he is a bit raw and a bit unrefined, I think that Southampton are getting player with with a lot of potential. All right. All right. Well, I'm, like I said before, I'm, I'm super excited to, to, to watch him come in and, uh, you know, hopefully we can help him develop uh, and hopefully we can enjoy what we see while, while that happens. Um, and, and then, you know, Southampton, the, the kind of, ideally he would make a step up after that to a, to a bigger club for a substantial fee and, and allow the team to continue to build. And, um, you know, sometimes that, that frustrates Southampton fans, but really, I think we, we just need to, to kind of enjoy it and, and realize that uh, we're, we're getting somebody that we, we can hopefully, you know, uh, watch come along for the next couple of years. Um, I guess my only other question is, do you see him, you foresee him uh, getting into the, to the national team uh, for Ghana? Or is that, I, I don't see anything, I, I was looking around at, at transfer market and things like that. He doesn't seem to be kind of uh, ha- have any appearances or connection to that. Do you see that? Uh, foresee that coming along if he continues to progress? Definitely. I mean, I'm surprised that he hasn't been called up for the Black Stars yet, but uh, Ghana have had some issues in the past, um, and so they they really need to work on like bringing in the new breed, uh, the new generation of Ghanaian players, and Felicu is, is definitely right up there. I think he's uh, probably the best center back that they have at the moment, so I, I think that he can be you know a key part of that uh, fine with the players such as Thomas Partey, uh, potentially Jordan Ayew. Uh, you know, Ghana has a lot of potential that still needs to be unlocked uh, for them to challenge for for the AFCON. But I do think that it's really too, uh, you know, it definitely if he starts playing regularly uh, for Southampton or wherever he ends up, I definitely see him uh, becoming a starter for, for Ghana. Um, but you know, it's it's hard to say because there's been a lot of uh, kind of questionable decisions that have happened with the coach and the 
Footballing Association, but, but we'll see. I think that Cleese definitely has the potential to become one of Africa's top center backs. Uh, right. Yeah. All right. Well, Zach, I just want to say thanks again. Um, I appreciate all of your work. I've been a big fan of your work for, for a long time, and it's a pleasure to be able to, to talk with you about this uh, and about Salisu. And um, I think the listeners will appreciate it as well. And um, yeah, I just hope you have, you have a wonderful rest of the day. If you want to follow you on Twitter, you're at Zach Lowey. Um, the, you are the co-creator of, of Breaking the Lines video, and that's at BTL Vid. And the website is breakingthelines.com for more um, you know, fascinating and fantastic uh, stories and features on uh, all, all across the world of football. So um, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your, your effort that you put into this. And um, well, hopefully I can, I can talk to you at some point in the future when we're making another signing that I uh, honestly haven't heard of. Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure to uh, come on. Hopefully I helped some uh, of your listeners understand a little bit more about Salisu and hope to be back, back on in the future. Absolutely. Thank you. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to both Jake Hughes of St. Mary's Music. You can find him on Twitter at JJ Hughes underscore and also on Twitter at St. Mary's Musings and Zach Lowey, who helped us uh, get a better idea of what Muhammad Salisa will bring to Saints. Fingers crossed he's actually announced. Um, you can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach Lowey and also at BTL Vid. You can check out BreakingTheLines.com as well for more stories and things uh, from all around the world of football. I do have to apologize to Zach because I talked with him before I actually talked to Jake. Then I accidentally left Zach in the group that I use, uh, the Skype chat that I use for this show. Jake called me. They woke Zach up. It's my fault. I'm sorry. The show has now finished its fourth season and it would not be possible without the partners of the show. So the Southampton page on Twitter, at Southampton page, and on Instagram at Southampton page one. Thank you for everything. Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram does the logo for the show and also helped me spend way too much time helping me figure out how to do certain things uh, graphically. So I appreciate all of that. Um, and to all of you who have listened this season, whether it was from the very beginning or whether you're just picking up now, um, thank you. I appreciate your time. It really does mean a lot. And, and to the patrons as well, uh, you guys have helped keep this show going. And it's been a really fun year and a half with you. And I look forward to doing plenty more. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now. His aim is true by Pottington Bear. If you're interested in helping support the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share the show with a friend or head on over to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. It all helps. I appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Uh, but until then, remember that together, we march on. And a special thanks to Jake Hughes of St. Mary's Musings again for joining me. There's the dog.
Hey. Stop.